Okay, we are finishing the series tonight that we started quite a while ago. We did the book of Judges. We went through the book of Judges uh, chapter at a time and came to the end of that. And it leads right into the book of Samuel as the uh, book of Judges is, is finishing. It leaves us kind of hanging because it expects you to go right on to Samuel. And we have done that. We saw last week a horrible decline in the spiritual life of the nation as uh, the sons of Eli turned out to be a bad bunch of fellas. And uh, so, but there's a little seed of hope that's planted, and that's the birth of a baby. And so as the, the society and the church itself is getting worse and worse and worse as we're tracing that history, along comes a little baby. He just gets old enough to get out on his own, just a little boy, and his mom takes him to the temple and leaves him there. He's going to stay there, and he's going to serve the Lord for the rest of his life. His name is Samuel. So we're going to think about Samuel tonight, some of the things that are true of him as we go through. Uh, Remember in the book of Judges, it was every man did what he thought was right. There was no leader, no king. Every man just did what he thought was right. That didn't turn out very well in the end. But now Samuel is going to come up and take over as the last judge. He's the last one to serve as a judge. But he's much more than a judge. He's a prophet. And so uh, in the Bible, we meet all kinds of characters. And usually... The way the Bible tells its stories, it'll say, here's what a person did. Now you draw a conclusion about that person. He made this mistake, he made that mistake, he did this well, he did that well. And you draw a conclusion, you read the story, and looking for your own weaknesses and strengths and, and use the Bible that way. But occasionally it comes along a character in the Bible that has a reputation. It's a little bit different. You know, sometimes, like I said, uh, it'll just tell us his story. Say, here's what he did, and that's it. But now uh, there's a few characters in the Bible who have a reputation, and Samuel is one of those people who has a reputation. The Bible, when it refers to him, tells his tells who he is by his reputation. And, and that's not true of too many characters in the Bible. And so I believe that Samuel wrote his own story here, and so it tends to shy away. doesn't tell us too much about Samuel. You've got to think about it a little bit and try to uh, get it out. But I want to go first to his reputation so that we can see it, and then go back <clears throat> and think about that, who he was and that reputation. Psalm 99 to start with. Psalm number 99. We have a comment here on Samuel. Psalm number 99. I'm looking at verse 5, Psalm 99, verse 5. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. He's talking about God 
who he is. Moses and Aaron among his priests. Moses, of course, Aaron was the first high priest. Moses' brother was a go-between between God and, and the children of Israel. And Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. And so Samuel's reputation, as it mentioned here, is that he got his prayers answered. He got his prayers answered. He's known. His reputation is that when he prayed, God listened. Anybody want that reputation? I want that rep. I want it. I don't even need the reputation. I just want it. All right? And everybody wants their prayers to be heard and answered. All right? Now, here's a guy whose reputation is that his prayers were answered. Now, look over at Jeremiah. A couple books over, Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah is warning the children of Israel they got to stop doing what they're doing. They need to get themselves right with God. Jeremiah 15 verse 1 then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be towards this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. He said, uh, those two men, Moses and Samuel, when they talked, I listened. And if these two men were praying for this nation now, he said, I wouldn't listen because the nation's such a mess. And so even though I find them very persuasive. And so here's a man, Samuel, whose reputation in the Bible is that he was persuasive with God. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I want God to, when I pray, I want him to listen. And I always think he listens, but there's some people who get what they ask for. And just about anything they ask for. Because they don't ask foolishly and they don't ask selfishly. We know that that can't be. But they have a way with God. And Samuel's one of these people that can talk to God and get just about, it seems, whatever he wants. So we're going to go back through and highlight some of his uh, experiences that we get a look at him. He's a fascinating character. Chapter 3, we'll start with 1 Samuel, chapter 3, as we highlight our way through uh, the book of Samuel and his history. We won't touch everything, but we'll touch a lot of it so that we can get thinking about how does a guy get to be persuasive with God? What kind of characteristics does he have? And what do we need to emulate? What do we need to think about when we're praying so that we can get prayers answered? We want to get prayers answered. Anything that the Bible says about the, here's why prayers get answered, then you grab a hold of that. Because there's lots of things. I right? said so when two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. 
When people get together to pray, that's powerful. When people agree together in prayer, that's a powerful thing. It's one of the things that God says. If we pray with faith and believe, then we get prayers answered. There's a lot of reasons prayers get answered. And so uh, we've got to put all those together. But here's a man who could go and say almost anything. And uh, let's look at his life and see if we can draw from it some of these thoughts. I'm going to start chapter 3, just verse 1. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. So he's just a little boy. I don't know whether he's five or six, seven years old when they take him to the temple and leave him there. Remember I said last week, I couldn't have done that. Eli was, I guess, a nice old guy, but his sons were two nasty bad men. They wouldn't want to be around a bad influence. But Hannah has turned him over to God and dropped him off with Eli. And it says here, And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Or that is, God wasn't talking to men. God wasn't saying anything to people because nobody was paying any attention to God. All right. God won't interrupt you if you're busy. He just lets you go. Yeah, you're busy. Go ahead. Now you want to get business with God, and you're going to have to focus on that. And here he says that God stopped talking. In this time frame, as little Samuel is delivered to the temple and dropped off, uh, he... Nobody was, knew, heard God's voice. Nobody knew what God was doing. And so, uh, as we read through chapter 3, uh, Samuel lays down, little boy lays down, he hears somebody calling his name. He thinks it's Eli, runs to Eli. Yep, I'm here. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. <laughs> Here's his name again. Runs to Eli. I'm here. I'm here. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Third time. Samuel, Samuel, he runs to Eli. Finally, Eli says, it's not me, but somebody's calling him. It must be God. And that was, nobody had heard that for years and years. And all of a sudden, God's talking to a little boy. That's important. Remember, that's an important thing. Children can hear God's voice, and children can know God. And they don't have the, any of the hang-ups that adults do. They're just naturally tenders. That's why Jesus said, here's, I'm going to give you a secret. And he brought a child up. He said, unless you become like children, you can't get this together. So it's an important thing. So little Samuel has three times, here's fourth time. Eli says, next time you hear your name, say, here am I, Lord. I'm here. And he did. And so God had a chat with little boy laying in his bed there and told him what was going to happen. We looked at that last week, which was the death of Eli and Eli's sons. And the Ark of the Covenant was taken. In chapter 3, down in verse 19, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, that's north to south, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. 
And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And so now there is an open vision. Now there is a voice that's speaking, and it's God speaking to Samuel. Everybody knows it. But you note what it says in verse 19. He grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. What does that mean? Well, sometimes when you pray, it just falls out and lands on the ground. <laughs> I like the way that's put. You know, your words, did your words fly up to heaven? No, they just fell out of my mouth and landed on the ground because God's not going to do that. God, that's none of God's plan. You might as well have said nothing because God's not paying attention to what you're asking, but not with Samuel. Everything he prayed went Straight up to God. He never let one word of Samuel's prayers do anything but go right up to heaven. So that's a pretty extraordinary thing. It's an important thing. God heard him when he prayed. And so the relationship is begun between the two of them. And it's Samuel and God together. And they're talking regularly He's back in Shiloh there in the house of the Lord. And in Shiloh, uh, it says God spoke to him at Shiloh. That's in the temple there where he was growing up. Just one little note. His mother came every year and gave him a new coat. Every year, his mother sewed him a new coat and brought him that coat. Now, you'll see in the end why that's something important. Because when it tells us that mom made him a coat every year, that's all it says. But we'll see later on why that's interesting. Chapter 7 now. We'll go over to chapter 7, 1 Samuel. Samuel is now the judge of Israel. Uh, down to verse 15 of chapter 7. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from year to year in circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and judged Israel and all those places, which is kind of right across the middle. Gilgal's right on the Jordan River. You head west. You come Bethel. It's called the house of God. And then uh, over to Mizpah. And he goes between these things and hears cases, what he's done. He's going to hear cases. His return was to Ramah, and there was his house, and he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. All right, now, back in chapter 7, verse 3, they got a problem, and that's the Philistines. Now, the Philistines had been a problem before with Samson. And Samson had got rid of a few by himself, a couple thousand of them. All right, but they're still a problem, and they're coming, and uh, they're kind of worried about these Philistines. Verse 3 now, chapter 7. Samuel spake to the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return to the Lord with all your hearts, put away this strange God and the Ashtaroth from among you. Prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. And the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah. 
I will pray for you unto the Lord. There's him doing what he does best, praying. He says, come on over, we'll pray. They gathered together in Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. Now, he does things that are unique. And people say, well, why did he do that? Well, he just, him and God had this thing. And uh, he's honest to say to God, I'm all for you. So they do what's called a drink offering. That is, you take a big old jug of water and say, here's for God. Water is valuable in that place. Most a dry type of area. The water is very valuable. You say, I'm all for God, just like I'm going to be poured out. And so he pour out this water as a symbol that we're going to live for God. We'll give everything we have, our most valuable thing, we're going to give to God. So he would do things like this, make sacrifices and do things, which weren't necessarily in Moses' law. He just had a way of communicating with God. Verse 8, the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry to the Lord our God for us, that we will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. So, the Philistines are coming. They're warlike people, tough hombres, hard to beat in a battle. And uh, they're just not ready. So I pray, Samuel, can you pray for us? Yeah, I'll pray for you. And it says he got an answer. He got his answer. He said, I called the Lord, and God heard him. Now watch what happens. Verse 10. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day, and the Philistines discomforted them, and they were smitten before Israel. <laughs> so, so you got God on your side. It's okay. You got an army? No. Matter of fact, at that time, they said there was no blacksmith anywhere in Israel. And so they couldn't even make a sword. They couldn't even make a spear. They were, came out with uh, sticks, sharpened sticks and stuff. They're going to go to war that way. And you think, how are they going to beat them Philistines? Well, ask Samuel. He'll pray. He prays. And what happens? God says, I'll fix them. <laughs> I got this. And he sends a thunderstorm. And I don't know. I don't see thunderstorms like I used to when we were up on the hills. This flat ground is a little different here, but sometimes when you're up in the hills or in the mountains, boy, you get some real thunder. And I can remember you could feel it. I remember my uncle had said, can you feel a concussion? <clears throat> Where did that hit? Well, it hit the tree behind the house. About 10 feet behind the house, a big tree, a big split right from top to bottom. That rattled things pretty good. And you say, I don't think I'll go outside right now. <laughs> well, God brought that stuff on the Philistines, and they said, we're out of here. This is crazy. 
this weather is going to kill us all. And all the thunder and rumbling and cracking and smashing and the lightning's falling down and they're scared to death. And so verse 11, the men of Israel went out of Mizpah, pursued the Philistines and smote them till they came under Bethkar. They drove them a long way. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Ebenezer, is that what's in that song? We sing that all the time, right? Here I'll raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, he'd rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. You know, he said, what the world's Ebenezer? Who's he? Well, Ebenezer's a stone. And Samuel said, there, we won the battle. There's nothing to it because God helped us. So we're going to take a big old rock and roll it in the road and stay. There's my stone called Ebenezer. It means God helped us today. There's an important thing. If we're going to pray and get answers to the prayer, we've got to be ready to say, God helped us. God was the one who did it. Part of getting your prayers answered is when you're all done, don't say, well, look at me. I prayed and you got what you wanted. No, 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 no. Pick a big old stone up and say, God helped us. That's how we got where we are. And we need to do that if we're going to get anywhere with God. You recognize if anything happens, as God did it. Anything happens. Don't say that guy prays and now he's a big shot. We'll go ask him to pray for it. No, 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 no. God did it. God did it. And Samuel, first thing he says, this is a pretty fascinating thing. He just prayed and God sent a thunderstorm and they won the battle because they they were running like a bunch of sissies. And uh, God did it. And he said, I want you to know God did it. Chapter 8 now. Something happens, verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. Naturally, what does he do? He goes to God and says, These people want a king. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken to their voice, make them a king. Samuel said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. Now, there's something about Samuel, see? When he's the judge, right? He's the judge. He's in charge in Israel. Everybody knows he's got God's ear. And God doesn't let one of his words fall to the ground. And what do they do? They say, eh, we want a king. Well, if, if you were Samuel, what would you say? Yeah. You mean you want a king? I'm guiding you. I'm leading you in the right way. We just won this battle because we prayed to God and God helped us. Now you want a king to take you to battle. That wasn't good enough. I think I'd be whipping their behinds. 
say, what's the matter with you? Pay attention. And Samuel did. He said to him, look, here's what a king's going to do. He's going to take your sons, put them in a battle. He's going to take your daughters and make cooks out of them. He'll take your property if he wants some. He's going to take everything you got and just take it. And they said, it's okay. We want a king. We want a king. And so they're going to get a king. All right. It's going to be a man named Saul. It's not going to go well. All right. Chapter 12. Chapter 12. Now, they get a king, and his name is Saul. And when you read about Saul, the first thing you think is he's not real bright. It's my impression. I don't know, I guess he probably was okay, but he was out wandering around searching for donkeys. I lost my donkeys. I can't find my donkeys. I think I'll go ask Samuel where my donkeys are. And that's how they met. And he comes up to Samuel and God says, see that big old guy? Because he was this big. He was a big guy. That is, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He's a great big guy. And he said, that's the one that's going to be the new king. And you'd think he said, guy comes in and says, I can't find my donkeys. Samuel, can you tell me where my donkeys are? He's not fit to be king. He's worried about his donkeys. And uh, he come to Samuel to ask Samuel to use his spiritual power to find the donkeys. <laughs> oh, well, that's Saul. And Saul kind of never did get really smart, it seems. But they demanded a king, and so they got one. All right, now, chapter 12, verse 16. Let's go to 15. If you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord shall do before your eyes. Now I'm warning you against the king, but God said you can have it. Because you get what you deserve sometimes. I'm warning you, you rebel against God. Now, just so you know, here's what I'm going to do. Verse 17. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call on the Lord, and he'll send thunder and rain, that you may perceive that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. <laughs> He's good with thunder. He, and so he prays to God. He says, we got to show these people what's cooking. It's, it's harvest time in a time of the year when it never rains. You read in the Bible about early rains and latter rains. All right, The early rain comes in the spring. They plant their first wheat crop, harvest that. They plant their second wheat crop. That grows and they harvest that. And then they get latter rains afterwards. So it never rains in the early fall. All of a sudden, Samuel and God together call up a great big rain thunderstorm, and the people are scared out of their minds. 
Are they scared enough to pay attention? <laughs> no, I guess not. Verse 19. The people said to Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not, for we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. Samuel said to the people, Fear not, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and turn you not aside. Then you should go after vain things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are vain. The Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it had pleased the Lord to make you his people. Now, moreover... As for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the right and the good and the right way. So here's what he says. You rejected me. You don't want me to be your judge. You go against my advice over and over and over again. I told you if you get a king, it's going to cause you no end of trouble. You want it anyway, so I'm going to give you a little sign, big, huge thunderstorm when it never, ever rains. All right, then I'm going to tell you, you better not mess with God. Better pay attention. Then he says, but as for me, I would never stop praying for you. You rejected me. You turned your back on me. You didn't do what I advised you to do. Or all of that I will still pray for you no matter what. Number two, he loves people. He has love for people. That's one of the ways prayers get answered. When we love people we pour out our hearts to God. He says, I would never cease to pray for you. I won't stop. You stop, go against my advice, do all kinds of things against my advice, but I won't stop. I will never stop praying for you. Isn't that a great thing? There's something about him, and that's a third thing. He will always speak truth. He's always going to speak truth. He's going to say what's true. And he warned them, your king is going to be a bad thing. I'm warning you, warning you, warning you. Please pay attention. Now, we want a king. So he says, you abandoned me. You went against my advice, but I am still going to pray for you. Uh, the people that I have known that were powerful in prayer never stopped. They never stopped. Reputation of people that I know who succeeded in their prayers was that they prayed for usually years. Years for something. They never stopped. There was a lady who sat in that third pew right there, a little tiny lady this big, Hazel Howard. And I started picking her up, taking her to a Bible study. And she's the one I told you that when I, my car broke down in the swamp in one middle of a blizzard, uh, she said, well, I'm going to your church when you have one. I said, I'm not going to have one. She said, well, I'll be there when you do. I said, yeah, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to. She said, when you have it, I'll be there. So she knew before I did. But here's what she told me. 
She said, you've been driving to work for years. She said, I sit on my porch, drink my coffee, and you drive by my house, and I pray for you as you go by. And you come by my house at 5.30, go home from work, and I pray for you when you drive by. I've been doing that for years. And so 10 times a week, she prayed for me on my way to work and on my way home for years. And you think, well, how'd you get to do what you did? People like that. People like that who were in my life who said, I'm going to pray for that kid. <laughs> pray for that kid. I'm going to pray for him over and years and years and years and years and years. She prayed for me before I came to my senses. All right? And so Samuel said, I'm always going to pray for you. You're so hard-headed and rock-headed. You do everything I tell you not to do, but I'm still going to pray for you. That's an important part of getting your way with God. There's a faithfulness about prayer. Never give up. Never give up. Faithful prayer. And there are people I know still who pray regularly for this church. Pray regularly for me. Make it part of their prayers every single day and I have much more confidence in them than I do in anybody else because that's how things get done alright let's see how this new king is going to do chapter 15 of 1 Samuel chapter 15 Saul has gathered together an army and he's going to fight against the Amalekites. They're a tough bunch of people on the opposite side. The Philistines are on the Mediterranean side. Amalekites come from out of the desert on, in the eastern deserts, come up into uh, Israel and they've been a thorn before in the nation of Israel. Chapter 15 verse 1 Samuel also said to Saul the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people over Israel now therefore hearken thou the voice of the words of the Lord thus saith the Lord of hosts I remember that which Amalek did to Israel how he laid wait for them in the way when he came up from Egypt now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have spare them not but slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. So if there's anything got a, a, a Malachite tag on it, it's gone. I want it all gone. So God said, go do it. And that means kill their animals. Kill them all. I want that population gone from off the earth. And there's reasons that God did that. He mentions when they came, and the children of Israel came with Moses up out of the, the, the wilderness, from, from out of Egypt through the wilderness, uh, the Amalekites laid in wait. They laid a trap and, uh, and ambushed Israel. And, and uh, so these aren't people that can be trusted, first of all. Secondly, uh, they're, they're an evil bunch of people. So we got to get rid of them, so you do it. 
I want you to wipe them out. So, verse 12. Samuel rose up early to meet Saul in the morning. He went and fought the battle. Saying, uh, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about, passed on, has gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul. Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So I went and I did what you said, and I beat the Amalekites. Verse 14, Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of oxen, which I hear? I said, God said, everything. And now you come up to me and say, oh, God bless you. We took care of business. You did not. I can hear sheep and oxen. And because you didn't do that, why didn't you do it? Verse 15, Saul said, they brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So he said, I didn't do it. The people did it. Just what he warned them the king was going to do. King was going to, everything was going to land on the people. And sure enough, he said, I, I did my part. It's the people did this. 16, Samuel said to Saul, stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, say on. And Samuel said, when thou was little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? When you weren't thinking you were such a big shot, God could use you better. Now you think you're a big shot. The Lord sent thee on a journey. Say, go utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites. Fight against them till they be consumed. Therefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly on the spoil, this evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Once again, he blames the people. He said, It was okay. I didn't mind because we're going to sacrifice these to God. So... I thought it was okay. Go ahead, I said to those people. Let's make a nice sacrifice for God. Now we're going to get right down to the nitty-gritty of why Samuel has such power. Here we go. 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And Samuel, Saul said, well, we want to make a sacrifice. He said, no, no, it's much better to obey than sacrifice. Sacrifice is not what God wants. He wants you to obey. And there is the key to Samuel's great power, I think, that he has a personal obedience, and that's number one with Samuel. He is determined to do what God tells him to do, and when God says destroy all the animals, you've got to do it. And so Saul says, oh, we're going to make a sacrifice. He said, God don't want a sacrifice. 
God's not interested in a sacrifice. He'd much rather have you obey and to hearken than the fat of rams. Of course, you take the fine ram, you're going to serve this big fat old ram, burn the fat on the altar up to God's way you were supposed to do. And he said, he don't want that. He'd rather have you listen to what he says than to have fat burning on an altar. He doesn't want the blood and everything on the altar and the fat burning on the altar. He wants you to listen to what he says and obey it. So he says you've got to do both of those things. You've got to listen. That's what God wants. And you've got to obey. That's much better. Now he will give us the great zinger for all of us. Verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Better pay attention. Rebellion lives in the human heart, doesn't it? We all got it. Everybody's got it. Everybody has it in there. And somebody says something, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. We got that naturally inside of us. And he said, here's what it is. You serve witchcraft, that means you serve the devil. You worship the devil. Rebellion against God is the same thing. Same thing. You worship the devil and then you, you say, I shake my fist at God. I'm not doing that. It's just the same thing. Your rebellion is just like worshiping the devil. And then he goes on. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. He said you will bow down and worship some old wooden idol somewhere. Some old metal idol that you made. Something carved out of a stone. He said being stubborn. It's just the same thing as idolatry. It's saying to God, you're not real. I'll make my own God. I'll make my own God and have God the way I want God. And so there is one of the great definitions in the whole Bible about the human nature. Explained by Samuel to King Saul. He said, God told you to kill the animals and everything and you said you didn't have to do it. He wants your obedience. You should have listened. Your rebellion and your stubbornness is you might as well be worshiping the devil. Same thing. Same thing. That's a powerful statement about the nature of sin. Well, Verse 32, then said Samuel, bring ye hither me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him delicately. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, as I sort of made women childless, so shall I mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. He fixed him. He says, you made a lot of Israelites orphans. Your mother's about to be an orphan. You're, and she, he hacked him in pieces. And Agag, that name lives down through history because somewhere Saul didn't do his job and the family of Agag survived. 
and we go down through history until we come to uh, uh, Esther in the Bible. Esther's the queen of the king of Persia. And there's a guy named Haman. And Haman figured out a plan to destroy every Jew that was alive in the whole kingdom of Persia. And he came that close to making it happen. And what do you think he was? He was from the family of Agag. God said, destroy those people. They've got to go. And because Saul didn't do what he was told to do, they came that close, closer than Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler killed 7 million Jews or something. They wow, he took out... Haman almost got every Jew alive. He came that close. Closer than Adolf Hitler. So, whew. I guess this king thing didn't work too good, huh? Well, two more things about Samuel. Uh, one of them... As God came and said, I'm done with this Saul. I don't want him to be king anymore. Uh, so I want you to forget about him. Verse 34, Samuel went to Ramah. Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented, he made Saul king over Israel. See, he's got that heart where he loves people, and he loves that big dummy. That big, stupid guy, that Saul, uh, he loves him, and he cares about him. He doesn't want him to go bad, and he prays for him, just like he does for everybody else. He's always praying and uh, doesn't listen. So God says, I got a job for you. I want you to go anoint a new king. Where? Bethlehem. If I go down there, Saul hears he'll kill me. Well, then you just tell him you're going down there just for another sacrifice. You don't have to tell him what you're doing. So he goes down to the house of Jesse, and he says, I want to see your sons. And he's got all his sons lined up, and God says, check them out. And they're, they're big, strapping, fine young men, all of them. And God said, no, 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 no. And he says to Jesse, is there another one somewhere? Yeah, as a kid. He's out in the field. We didn't even call him. Because you're an important guy. You're coming. And he's just a kid. He says, get him in here. I want to see him. And little David walked in. And he said he was all ruddy and red. He had reddish hair. And that gives you reddish skin. <laughs> and uh, and uh, God said, that's him. And so he anointed David king. And still has been no Goliath. That's coming. He's just a kid out of a shepherd. And God said, that's the one I want. Choose him. And so if you were to read... I haven't got time to explain this all, but uh, if you were to read uh, the story, uh, Judah was cursed. The tribe of Judah was cursed for so many generations. And so if 
The king had gone to the tribe of Judah. It was David one generation before that curse wouldn't have been completed. So Saul got to be king from the tribe of Benjamin to finish the curse on the tribe of Judah. David is the next generation after the curse is over. And now he's from the tribe of Judah. From whence sprang Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm going to make a king out of Judah that will come and be king forever. And of course, David was the beginning of that line. And then Jesus, the end of it. Now, one more thing about old Saul and Samuel. Chapter 28. Chapter 28. Chapter 28, verse 6, verse 5. When Saul heard the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. And so he's trying to get an answer. Do I go fight the Philistines? And he said, I'll lay down and have a dream, and God will tell me. No dreams. So he got Urim, which was a breastplate with precious stones on it. And they were supposed to put their hands over the stones and pray to God for guidance. So he tried that. No answer. There must be a prophet somewhere. Samuel is dead. Isn't there a prophet anywhere? Nowhere. So he can't get an answer. Verse 7. Saul said to his servants, Seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit that might go in and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, a woman that had a familiar spirit at Endor. Saul disguised himself, put on other raiment, and he went. So he goes to the witch of Endor. The witch of Endor was a medium. We call her a medium. That is, she tried to communicate with spirits. She claimed to have the power to communicate with spirits that are dead. That's uh, a claim that mediums still make today. All right. Now, there's a lot of frauds and fakes out there and fanatics that you see them on TV Oh, let's see, uh, your husband's name had an S in it. Well, there's a clever thought, you know. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, they go on and on. And it's just a parlor game when you watch these guys on TV. But there are genuine mediums who try to communicate with the dead. And they are not genuinely communicating with the dead. They have familiar, what they call a familiar. Familiar is an evil spirit that they're able to call up and get information. And so a genuine medium has usually some connection with an evil spirit, and they can call up a spirit. And they'll find out what your uncle, great-great-great-uncle Fred was married to whoever. You say, well, how do they know that? Well, that spirit's been alive for thousands of years. He's been around. Okay, so he has just basic information like that. And so they can go to a familiar spirit that they call up. And they call up an evil spirit and they pretend it's a dead person. Well, this is your great aunt Tilly. And here's what she says. 
your Uncle Fred had a wart on his thumb. <gasps> Isn't that something? How do you know? Well, that's how I know. But it's not, it's on the dark side of things. So, Saul said, there'll be no more witches in Israel. Get rid of them. Well, there's one left. <laughs> and he says, find me a witch. No, well, we know where there's one. It'll take you over there. So he puts on a disguise and goes in. And uh, verse 11, Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. <clears throat> the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what thou sawest thou. And the woman said unto, her, uh, unto Saul, I saw God descending out of the earth. And so here's a case. It's kind of unusual. He goes to a witch, and normally she would call on some evil spirit. So uh, he says, she says, who do you want to talk to? Talk to Samuel. So she does the thing, okay, Samuel, can you hear me? And all of a sudden, <gasps> I see somebody. And it's not what I'm used to seeing. I saw gods coming up out of the earth. I saw something I can't explain. It's not what I have ever seen before. Verse 14, and he said unto her, what form is he of? She said, an old man cometh up and he's covered with a mantle. He's got a coat on. Samuel was known for his coats. From the time he was five years old, he had a new coat every year. And they got used to him always having on a coat. And so Saul says, well, what do you see? Tell me what you see. Well, I see an old man. Okay, and he's got a coat on. That's Samuel. Saul perceived it was Samuel, and he stooped on his face to the ground and bowed himself. Now you say, I thought those were all fakes. They are. I thought they were calling up evil spirits. They try to. Sometimes they're successful in that. So how come Samuel came up? Is that really an evil spirit? No, that's the real thing. God said, you know what? I got one last message for you, Saul. And let's see what Samuel says. Verse 15, Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? Leave me alone. I'm having a good time where I'm at. Now I got to come and talk to you. And Saul answered, I'm sore distressed for the Philistines make war of me. And saying, God has departed from me. Answer me no more, neither by prophets nor dreams. I have called thee that thou mayest make known to me what I shall do. That says Samuel, wherefore dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee, has become thine enemy. What are you asking me for? The Lord hath done to him as he spake to me, for the Lord has rent the kingdom out of thy hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath on Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. Tomorrow shall thou and thy sons be with me. You're going to die. The Lord shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. 
That's all. That's as clear as you can make it. Tomorrow, you go fight, and you will die. So what does he do? He goes and fights. Naturally, he always does the opposite of what Samuel says. And Samuel comes all the way back from the dead and says to him, God says, here's the message you want God's message. God says you fight, you die, and your son's with you. So he goes to battle, and he fights and dies. How thick can you get? You want God's message. Give me God's message. Don't go fight. All right, I'll go fight. And he went and fought and died. There is a hardness that comes on the heart of people who have rejected God over and over and over and over again, and then there comes a time when they cannot stop. The rejection of God gets beyond all reason and logic until we just can't do anything else but reject God and argue and rebel. And so Saul rebelled. And Samuel got to tell him one more time, although it didn't do him a bit of good. So Samuel's the only person uh, that uh, in the Old Testament we see come back. And in the New Testament we had a couple, remember? Moses and Elijah come and met with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. But here, uh, a witch tries to fool around and, and fool Saul, but God fooled her and sent old Samuel back for one more try. So Samuel is the man that could pray and get whatever he asked for. He was very persuasive with God, and there's reasons for his ability. He always gives God the credit. He loves people. He'll speak the truth. He will never get up and he, he says, most of all, it's better for you to listen and obey than to do a religious service. You can come and sit through a religious service and accomplish nothing. But if you will listen and obey, you'll get more done. That's how this man's reputation was built. So that for years and now down through generations till us here today, still recall him as a man who could get his prayers answered whenever he, whatever he asked for. That is a wonderful, wonderful gift. May you all get it. May you all get it. Thank you. Thank you.